your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture We'll stick around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast that is once again live from Sheffield Brought to you by Froob's Lube You didn't see that one coming Dreadful. <laughs> Flux is here as well. I am. Hi <laughs> everyone. And Dave. And you did my bit as well. So. Well, yeah. Fuck you all. How was uh, everyone today? Live in show. I don't know, well, because you're not hosting. Well, wait, am I hosting? I'm supposed to be hosting. Yeah, I'm stepping on all the time. How are you all doing today? Is this mine? Good. Good. They're arguing over beers now. You said no. You take that one. I'll Has everyone been watching lots of films? Yeah, I have. I watched a lot. Yeah, I've actually just bought a cinema subscription card. So yes, I've been watching a lot of films. Yeah, so loads of films. We're all feeling good. We're all in Sheffield, which is the most green city on in Europe at least. Or was? No, we're saving the trees. Well, yeah, it was until the council decided that nah, we don't like that record. Maybe they'll make a film about it. Chop all the trees down, because we could make millions out of that. And the only northern city that Cineworld te- puts value on as well. Also <laughs> true. anyone who follows me on Twitter will know. Al's <laughs> <laughs> Twitter account is just abusing Cineworld. About its lack of culture in the north, which, I mean, the, the reason is obvious. But there's a lack of culture in the north. <laughs> <laughs> but Al insists on just flogging a dead horse. A one-man fight. <laughs> I've got culture! <laughs> You know what you need to do, Al? Move somewhere else. Well, the culture can come to me. If I've learned everything from film, it's that if you want to um, develop a cause as a northern man, you have to get naked and do a calendar a la Full Full Monty. Uh, have we... you thought about... Well, how about... Would you and guys and ballet. In, in Sheffield? Where yeah, should we, you guys want to help me help me out? We'll I mean, do some I'll get naked. Photographs. We've got six here. <laughs> if it's for a good cause, that's even better. Each? If you're yeah. listening, if you're listening to this and you want to get naked but I'll stick around Cineworld Extravaganza nude calendar <laughs> email us at stickaround at gmail.com Whoa 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 stick around with, a, with a photograph <laughs> of your penis. <laughs> Feel like We're not bothered about the rest Flux, watch your birthday July, July birthday. I feel like for July it's just Flux standing next you know, in front of a sunset. With a cactus co- in the desert, the <laughs> cactus like really artistically covering his penis. I mean, we're going to need a big cactus. <laughs> Can I just say, as someone born in January, I think it's very unfair that we should have to be nude in the month that we were born. <laughs> <laughs> it was cold, all right. <laughs> well, Alex was born on September the 11th, so let's well, say he gave a Yeah, well, sort of massive hard on this. <laughs> <laughs> One of the two towers, right? Should we go with the um, the reviews? Hey, so yeah, why not? Yeah. There's six of us here. Who is actually talking about films? I think it's just two, uh, I think it's just two of us. And the rest of you are just here for three the hours. Oh, three. Yeah, yeah, three of us. Three of us. Okay. Well, we'll we'll stick in Sheffield. No, we're not going to stick in Sheffield because Clive's pointing it out. <laughs> well, we are in Sheffield. We are in Sheffield. As you can tell, this is the most pro- professionally produced podcast we have done today. <laughs> so I'm going to start back off by getting out of town. Oh, what have you got for us? Uh, well, I've seen a lot of films since we last talked. But oh, la di da. Do you want to read your uh, list? 
<laughs> Tell us how much money you've saved because you've got your subscription card. <laughs> well, I'm not an advertisement for them. Um, no, but I'm going to talk about um, my favourite film of the year thus far. Um, a film I know that Michael has seen and Clive has seen. Oh, yeah. And everyone else should see. Um, you were never really here, um, which I've misquoted on Twitter as you were never really there. He's <laughs> everyone in the North who's not been able to see it. Oh. <laughs> Where did you see it? I see. I saw it in I north, in further north than I live, actually, but uh, <laughs> in Newcastle. But anyway, uh, isn't Newcastle more south culturally? It does have a waitrose, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so latest film by Lynn Ramsey, who uh, probably not enough people do know, but people probably know from We Need to Talk About Kevin. Uh, also, only done two other films: Ratcatcher and Marvin Collar. Um, really idiosyncratic idiosyncratic director um, known for being quote unquote difficult which just means demanding um, or a woman yeah I mean that's typically Jesus, the attitude Jesus there. Christ not all women are difficult you pig <laughs> <laughs> no I'm not saying just because I'm not saying I hold that view I'm saying that other people who've written it are holding that view um, I disagree sorry stars <laughs> stars Joaquin Phoenix um, a bloke from The Wire and a few other people <laughs> Um, All he ever cares about is a bloody wine. Excellent research. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a really. Everyone put their put phones on silent, please. <laughs> <laughs> that was you, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> I sent the message, but. Um, this is a. If I was going to really sell this to somebody who wouldn't necessarily go to what is essentially an art house film, I would sell this as um, arty taken. Joaquin Phoenix gets fat and beardy and brays some nonsense with a hammer, which is basically what it is. Um, Sold. In all seriousness, though, this is absolutely fantastic film, exquisitely uh, photographed um, with cinematography that really you don't really see outside of films like this. Um, It's typical of Lynn Ramsey in the sense that it focuses on one individual and their intensely personal connection with what's happening. So the main character is Joe, who is an ex... From what we can see from flashbacks, anyway, probably an ex-soldier, possibly ex-police. Um, he is a gun-for-hire who is hired to bring back a senator's daughter who has been involved in a child prostitution ring. He specialises in brutal um, extractions, if you like. Lives at home with his mother... It uh, doesn't seem to get a lot of joy from life. Looks essentially homeless. Doesn't keep in shape. And it's basically a character study more than anything. The film isn't really interested in the revenge aspect, despite that being the setup. And it isn't really interested in the violence, which is always seen through some kind of prison. So, for instance, there's one scene where he's strangling somebody, which you only see from a mirror. Uh, there's another scene where he's basically, as mentioned earlier, brain people with a hammer, which you only see through grainy CCTV. Um, essentially, it's about one man's personal breakdown, um, studying nihilism, I would say, more than anything else. Um, and just like all of her other films, this is really about Lynn Ramsey absolutely getting a personal performance out of someone, and Joaquin Phoenix is someone who's not afraid to do that. Um, I'm gonna Before I go in any further, Clive, I haven't heard your opinion, so I'd be interested to hear yours. <clears throat> Absolute wank. Um, no, <laughs> no, I loved it. I loved it. I went to see it and bumped into my good friend Alistair at the cinema completely randomly, which is great. And uh, yeah, the film was good, really, really good. I love the. I think yeah, your cinematography comments 
basically the stuff I really liked about it. I thought it, it is a character study, definitely. It's just about him and his struggle with post PTSD, whatever that stands for. That's the one. <laughs> he struggles with that, and I think it covers that really well. And I think the kind of art house nature of it um, serves that part of it really well, I thought, because you kind of feel his pain more than you would if it was done in a more traditional manner, I think, with like. Because there wasn't much of a soundtrack as such. I mean, there is a soundtrack and it's really good, but it's not a traditional. It's Johnny Greenwood who did the soundtrack from Radiohead and it's fantastic, but it's a very kind of dissonant, uh, not necessarily emotionally affecting soundtrack. It's kind of. I don't know, it portrays these feelings like. It's quite weird, isn't it? See, I think the thing more than anything I noticed is the sound design, which is not something you come out of. I think, I think when me and Michael came out of the cinema, one of the first things we said was <coughs> how kind of uh, immersive the soundtrack was and saying, like, when he's coming out of a river, you can hear his boots. Yeah, squishing absolutely. Them. And I, the, for days afterwards, I noticed other sounds more, and I, I, tr- I attribute that entirely to the film, like just doing silly things, like putting a pen down. <laughs> uh, I was like noticing that kind of sound, and I think that was entirely because I'd seen it in the way. It, yeah, I agree, it does focus more on those than the soundtrack itself. Even though the soundtrack is really, really good, and there's certain bits. There's a particular house where it like stops at. There's like this really build-up bit, and then it stops at the house with this big like sort of crescendo, which doesn't seem like a thing that should have a massive crescendo, but I just think it worked really, really well. There was one particular track that I did like from Sancho, though, which reminded me a lot of Taxi Driver, which is a natural comparison to this. Definitely, he's not essentially a vigilante in the same way that um, Travis Bickle is in Taxi Driver, but he's certainly a mentally disturbed individual who is basically enacting revenge as much as anything. One particular track, I forget the name of, but I will find before we finish, um, that is kind of all at once classic kind of noir, but also a bit different. Um, Michael, do you want to step in with your thoughts at this point? Yeah, I thought it was uh, absolutely superb. Um, brilliantly shot. I think, the, like you said, the sound was amazing and really shows Greenwood's diversity as a, as a musician. Definitely. Because, I mean, he, Obviously, he scored Phantom Thread. <laughs> yeah, which I watched actually next. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't realise he'd done both, but they're so diverse. Totally different. I was like, whoa. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah I, I like the fact that it didn't make any sort of concessions to the sort of the structure of a narrative that we expect. Like, it's, it, it feels like it's building to something, but it isn't really. No, I don't think that counts as a spoiler or anything. Um, and just, just some of the. Uh, it, I think it really shows how. You know, obviously this sort of story's been done hundreds of times, like you mentioned Taken, but I think it shows how you can still bring out a, you know, a power in the way that you shoot it. Like, there's a scene quite near the start where um, Phoenix's character is just... It's unusual behaviour, but he's just, just sort of casually mucking about with a knife, and I found it very difficult to watch. It was... Um, that on its own was just quite an amazing scene before he even starts bring anyone, as you put it. <laughs> and I do, I like the way all those scenes were, like you say, often from like CCTV or something where you couldn't hear the sound where he yeah. was hitting these people with hammers and it wasn't. It definitely gives you that payoff that you're almost expecting because of yeah. the way we're, we're used to watching films. And, um, yeah, it's not the point, is it? No, not at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's. there's Loads of unforgettable bits in this, I would say, and it flew by. Like you can't tear yourself away. Definitely, from it. it's really, sh- it's like well, comparatively short. It's like ninety minutes. Isn't all, it? all of Lynn Ramsey's films are like that. Uh, yeah. So I've been on a bit of a binge recently, where I'd, I'd only seen We Need to Talk About Kevin before this, which is incidentally her longest film at one hour forty-seven minutes. Is that based on a book? Yes, it's yeah. a brilliant book as well. Um, brilliant. Like all film, of all yeah. her films 
Uh, what about Ratcatcher, but the other three? So yeah, yeah, so, I mean, they all come in. So, Morbin, Caller, Ratcatcher, and uh, you were never in here, all an hour and a half. We need to talk about Kevin, one, one hour, 47. She's somebody who absolutely does away with exposition. She trusts the audience to get where, you know, where you need to be without going into a huge, long uh, setup. And um, essentially, with the character of Joe, you never explicitly told what he did in the past. You see through various small flashbacks that you, you basically get the idea. You don't need to know any any greater detail than that. Um, what I thought was really incredible is Joaquin Phoenix's transformation. Um, I mean, like you often see him semi-naked in this, and he—it's not an impressive sight. He's got a body like mine in this film. Um, basically, <laughs> a broken down slab of meat. Although I don't have any scars because you know I don't do physical work, but. Uh, but he, he basically just looks like an absolute crumbled heap of a man. And um, I mean, his beard is somewhat hipster, I suppose, but hipster in a way that you know, ungroomed hipster, if you like. Um, I mean, he's shown this before in um, that mock documentary he did, which I've forgotten the name of, directed by Casey Affleck. Anybody remember this? Where, where he faked a, a rapper. Yeah, where he faked having oh, a yeah, in real life and became it. a fake rapper he went on David Letterman and everyone was convinced that he'd actually lost it. It shows his dedication to the cause anyway. Um, so this is this is my favourite of Lynn Ramsey's films. Uh, there's only four of them to be fair, but and they're all brilliant. Um, actually I even went as far as to watch all four of her short films and the music video by uh, The Swans Like Doves. That's an in joke for anybody else. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's an incredible filmmaker. Um, I wish she'd work more often, but then again, if the quality is going to be like this every time, I'm happy to wait four or five years for something from her. The uh, the name of the film you're referring to, appropriately enough for this film, is I'm Still Here. Right, yeah, very <laughs> almost, yeah. I thought it was well, something like that. I yeah. was going to say I'm Not There, but that's uh, the Dylan film. Has anyone else, so I believe we're the only three who've seen it, but has anyone else seen anything else by Lynn Ramsey? So has anyone seen We Need to Talk About Kevin? I've not. That's probably the biggest film she's done, um, certainly... <clears throat> Um, Tilda, Tilda, is it Swin- Swinton, Swinton, yeah. yeah. Uh, John not C. Riley, yeah. <laughs> You're not Swindon, no. no. Uh, <coughs> all, uh, Tilda Swinton is a great drag act, though, for anyone who's done <laughs> <laughs> There's also uh, in that film as well. Sidetrack. Ezra Miller is someone who's now the Flash. Uh, it makes you amazed, amazed that he could ever be anything other than a psychopathic teenager. Um, Anyway, I think Lynn Ramsey is an incredible uh, director. Possibly the best working British director. I mean, that's open to debate, but um, I love this film. And I'd be very surprised if it's outside my top five. Certainly my favourite film of the year so far. I've seen Marvin Calabro. <clears throat> it's very different, but it's mm. really good. Mm. Uh, and it's 15 years old now, because obviously a big gap between our films. Mm. Yeah. It is superb, yeah. It's just a really, really good piece of cinema. And... I don't think it's going to be for everyone. Like, if you don't like art house, I don't think you'll particularly get into it. And I know if you're into narrative-driven films, you're probably not going to get into it. But that's not what it is. And I think it does what it does super well. I, cool. I loved it. It's really good. One of my favourites of the year. Probably not my favourite, but. No one else got anything to add. Definitely up there. No. That about wraps it up. Just before we go on, I just want to make it clear that when you guys have all gone, I want it to be like you were never really here. Oh, boom, boom. He means you need to tie, well, you tie well. your shit up. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you're covered in crumbs. The yeah. sofa is. Yeah, yeah. Chocolate everywhere. 
And the toilet. Skid marks. <laughs> Have you ever been to the toilet yet? Well, we've all had a sit-down wee, haven't we? Not in there, anyway. Yeah, it's hard to make a mess with a sit-down oh, yeah, wee, though, uh, isn't it? As, as a podcast, we're very much for the sit-down wee for men. Um, you know, it's not an emasculating experience. It's a luxury. Here, yeah. here. Do what you want, no, it's the door shut. I'd be quite up for a sit-down urinal where you could, like, straddle wow. it. Wow. Oh, just... <laughs> I'm not, not sure about that. <laughs> not sure about that at all. A normal <laughs> toilet is a sit-down urinal. <laughs> Yeah. Bell end. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, when you're in the pool, you want about public experience. Like a normal toilet, but without a seat, it to be cold metal, and <laughs> he just wants to do it publicly. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's sort of like it's when you're very drunk, it drips on your shoes. Mm. Yeah, why not? Sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, um, on that note, I'm not sold um, on that urinal thing, but right. yeah, okay. Clive, are you ready now? Can I come? Uh, to you? Oh, pff, I, I'm never. Yeah, I thought I was going to get ready, but I'm not ready at all. But anyway, I'll, I'll go. I'm going to talk about the film <laughs> called, called, <laughs> called. We should all have done that. <laughs> <laughs> Call me by your name. Um, I was going to talk about something from this year, but this is from last year. But I watched it uh, a few weeks ago. Um, when I went home for Easter, no, I think it was before that. At some point when I went home, um, and I absolutely loved it. So it's the favourite thing I've seen for a while. So I just thought I'd talk about this. Call me by your name is, and yes, this is just off Wikipedia. I'll have my thoughts afterwards. Um, it's a 2017 coming of age drama film directed by Luca. Apologies for terrible Italian pronunciation here. Luca Guadagnino, and written by James Ivory, based on the 2007 novel. Cheers, Flux. <laughs> of the same name. Oh, I like that book. I try, try to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> By Andre Asiman. Um, it's the final instalment, apparently, of a trilogy, which I didn't know, um, of the director, that is not the book, um, I Am Love, A Bigger Splash, which I've seen uh, and loved. I loved A Bigger Splash, so it's a great film. And this particular film is set in northern Italy in 1983. It chronicles the romantic relationship between Elio Perlman, who's Tillamethe Chalamet, who also was in Lady Bird, um, a 17-year-old living in Italy and his father's 24-year-old American assistant, Oliver, uh, played by Army Hammer. The film also stars Michael Stuhlbarg, Amira Kassar, Essa Garel and Victor Dubois. Uh, none of those I'd heard of. I'd seen Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer before. Um, it's just... I love this film. It's a really, really slow burn. It's like two hours and it's basically just about... Their, this summer romance that they have. So this uh, Arnie Hammer's character arrives at the house that they have. They're, they live in this stunning part of Italy in this stunning house uh, near a stunning lake and everything just looks gorgeous. Uh, and it's in the 80s so no one's on computers and they're just reading books all the time. So it's kind of idyllic in that way but it's just, it just chronicles the this romance that blossoms when he arrives as the assistant and it becomes clear that he's gay as well as... Uh, the other character, his character's Oliver. E El what did I say? It's not Eli. It's something like Eli. It's annoying me now. Elio. Eli and Elio, the, the young son of the um, researcher. And it's just absolutely fantastic. It's just this slow... It's like the perfect summer romance film. I see there's plenty of summer romance films out there. Often they're cheesy. This one just seems completely realistic. It's just... Obviously there's... Seeing something like this with a, a gay romance at the centre is pretty uncommon, and but it doesn't make it seem like that's the case. It just films it as if, as if it was just a normal romance, and that's absolutely fantastic. It doesn't make a big deal of it, and that's not the big selling point of it. It is... I, I finished this film, and I was like, this is my... It's up there with my favourite romance film, along with... Um, what's the first one of the trilogy called with Ethan Hawke? 
Uh, before sunset. Uh, before sunrise. Sorry, the second one of those is my favourite. Um, before sunset. So it's between that. Is that the third one. <laughs> before sunset. It's between before that. And it's between that and this film about my, uh, my favourite romance film. Not a genre that I'm particularly well versed in. But um, I just absolutely loved it. It was two hours of just, it's just so full of life, like vivacity, it's so full of colour. And a lot of that is because of the fact it's set in Italy. And I've always wanted to move to Italy because I think it looks, I've been to Italy a few times. My dad lived in the Italian part of Switzerland. But, um, and it, I kind of love the, the culture of it. But that's not, <laughs> and the food. But that's not all there is to it. Um, and obviously the two central characters here aren't Italian as such. I mean, he's, Elio's character's got quite a mix of cultures. Um, it seems to have a mix of French, English, and um, Italian in there. And whereas Arnie Hammer's come from America, and I don't know, it's just there's not really loads to say about it other than it just chronicles this relationship in a really slow way. There's no massive. There is dramatic bits, and there's certain. There's a couple of really famous scenes, um, <laughs> the peach scene. I'll say no more, but um, which are quite seem like. I don't know, which, when I heard about them, I was like, oh, that seems like it's graphic for the sake of it, and uh, it isn't, I don't think it is, and I think it's a really, really good and special film that everyone should go out and see. If you don't like, like, slow-burny, slightly arty films, then you're probably not going to like it, and it does feel very much like foreign cinema, if you've seen, you know, it's got more of a French feel to it, I'd say, of the cinema that I've seen. I've not seen many Italian films, so maybe it's got that in there as well, I'm sure, but... <laughs> but it's a fabulous, fabulous film. Doesn't Sophia Stevens do a song? Yes, and he, um, for an Oscar or something? he, I think he does the soundtrack. Or does he? Yeah. At least he did do a song in it, which is fantastic. The whole soundtrack's great, and it's just got yeah. It's just one of those really, really unique films where you go to the end and it's like, it's not that the narrative or anything was particularly, you know, different to what you were expecting or anything like that, but just how it's done and the performances in it are so good that you're just like, oh wow. That was really special, and yeah, I think not enough people, particularly in England for some reason, I've uh, lot, listened to a lot of podcasts and a lot of the American podcasts I've listened to talk about it a lot, and the English ones don't, which I found a bit odd. <laughs> uh, so I think a lot of people in this country need I don't know whether it just didn't get very much of a release over here. Has anyone else seen it? No, so, I really wanted to. Um, this was yeah. nominated for an Oscar, by the way, for those as who I, don't know. As I'm always ranting about, it wasn't shown anywhere near. <laughs> and in fact, it wasn't even shown that much in Newcastle, which would have been my best shout. Um, so I didn't get a chance to see it. How did you see it, Clive? Um, well, I ended up like, same here. It was it was shown in Sheffield quite high, a bit. Is this a high seas plunder? <clears throat> no, it was actually Amazon Prime rental. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> I got off that. It was. Well, I think it was shown in Sheffield, but it was like before because it came out before the Oscar buzz I didn't really I didn't know what it was and then by the time I realised what it was it was gone if you know what I mean and mm. um, so yeah but I I'll definitely it see it at some point uh, definitely would have, I would have absolutely loved to see it in the cinema but I think you'll still get a lot out of it watching it at home is given Amazon's approach to taxation is Amazon <laughs> Prime Rental any no. more <laughs> ethically perfect than High Seas Plunder <laughs> Uh, I would say only in the fact that the people who made the film might get some money, but the bit that goes to Amazon, no. <laughs> who knows? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Indeed. Nah, so yeah, everyone should go check that out. Ali will love it. Watch it when you get a chance. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, I said, I'm sure you can plug I'm, it I'm kind of hoping that it'll turn up on one of these streams of, for, for free. I think it might soon. well do, because Florida Project has, which yeah. go watch it, people, yeah, if you haven't heard me rave about it enough. It's on my list. <laughs> I'll have to go um, and So, watch. Call Me By Your Name seems like the kind of thing that would appear pretty soon, I reckon. Mm. you want to do some co-hosting, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> that was really good. 
<laughs> Didn't sound sarcastic at all. <laughs> Has anyone else seen this film? That's what Al usually does when he's doing it. Makes it no. puts everyone else on the spot, makes more feel bad about it. I already asked that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, no one else has seen Just it. Just check it. Well, in that case, of the uh, the three of the six that have actually watched any films this year. Uh, we're just left with Michael. So Michael, what have you got for us today? Okay, yeah, thank you. Um, so, a, a film that I've seen is the new Wes Anderson film, yeah! of Dogs. I've not seen it, but I want Did to see you? it. Do you? Well, exactly. <laughs> not <laughs> sure if that was an inter- intentional. Oh, you can't hear it was intentional. Yeah, was from, what, from what I've heard, it was definitely intentional. What was intentional? Um, Isle of Dogs. I can actually like tell you a little bit about this. Oh right, I yeah, I didn't notice that until something. He was uh, so Wes Anderson was in the UK during the filming of the fan, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and um, in between being shuttled from the airport to the studio where it was being filmed, saw signs for Isle of Dogs, as in the peninsula in East London, and uh, his mind went mental, and he came up with this film. Is, is the peninsula of the Isle of Dogs also a trash heap filled with canines? Um, if by trash heap you mean centre for deregularised financial industries, then yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. That's what you meant. Yeah, yeah well, well I, I didn't know that, but, but you know. Pretty amazing that a film can, uh, can, mm. root from, uh, from, can, can grow from those roots. But... Um, yeah, so obviously a hotly anticipated film being the new Wes Anderson film. He has a pretty cult-like following, uh, coming off a great film in the Grand Budapest Hotel. This one is uh, an animated film. Does it count as stop motion? I don't know technically what that means. A stop motion basically means it takes for fucking ever. (laughs) (laughs) Four Uh, years to animate? Four years, yeah. Four years, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I've, I know I've described films as. Why stop- haven't you cleaned your room? I'm stop motioning it, Mum! <laughs> Leave me alone! Yeah, it's a gift of an excuse. Um, I know I've described films as star studded before, but in terms of the voice actors on this, it really is. So we've got uh, Brian Cranston, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, um, Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson. Greta Gerwig. Yeah, Francis McDormand, Ken Watanabe, Yoko Ono, bizarrely. Who have, I've definitely forgotten somebody. Do you know what um, Yoko Ono's character name is in this as well? I think it's Yoko Ono. Yeah, assistant yes. scientist Yoko Ono. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I won't do it if I can go anything else. Do you yeah. know who I am? I split up the Beatles. <laughs> I've got power. Why did you do a more northeastern accent than your natural accent with your impression of Yoko Ono you know who I am you fucking Doyle I swear the Beatles alright daft cunt and now I'm back to play a minor role in this new film but yeah uh, so the film's set in uh, Japan crucially uh, and involves the mayor of the fictional city of Megasaki uh, passing a decree which exiles all dogs to a trash-filled isle, as Alex mentioned. Um, Quite rightly. (laughs) As a result of an outbreak of dog flu and various other dog ailments. Um, I thought thought it was a a very good film overall. Um, I thought it was largely well-paced. Storyline was a lot of fun. I thought it was humorous in places. The, the voice acting was very good. I loved the animation. 
especially, I know you like this, Alex, as well, the um, the style utilised whenever a fight breaks out. Yes, be it, be it <laughs> between, style. Whether it's between dogs and dogs or dogs and humans, just a cloud. Or with, dogs and robots. All that, yeah, with their limbs flailing from it, as you said, Beano style. Yep, so that was, I mean, generally, overall, I don't think there's a, personally, I didn't think, I don't think there's a lot to um, analyse in terms of what I liked about it, I just thought it was, uh, it was pretty great overall. However, I did have some criticisms, which I'm going to in more depth. Um, now, there was, uh, there was a lot of backlash, there's been a lot of backlash against the film for accusing it of cultural appropriation. Um, yeah. Some people have accused it of being viciously racist, although I think most people have been of the opinion that the, uh, you know, things in that sort of area were more largely unintentional, perhaps. Perhaps it makes me ignorant, but I didn't really pick up on that to a great extent. I didn't think there was anything that sort of made me think, you know, <laughs> massively racist or whatever. Um, but one of the things I would criticise was, and I know other people have, at first it just seems quite funny, like at the, st at the start it says that obviously uh, most of the film is in English, so it says things will be um, translated through electronic devices or a foreign exchange student, which at first just looks quite funny, but then obviously this particular character turns out to be quite central and it is basically, it could be definitely interpreted as a white saviour sort of narrative, and I just think it's just quite maddening, like, why not just use subtitles? I don't know if you wanted to put it in... If you wanted to use Japanese, why not just do that? So I don't know how other people feel about it, but it did... It, I just found it a bit irritating that, he, that Anderson had obviously made that choice. Uh, I'm certainly not coming down on him like a ton of bricks like some people have, but that sort of thing, I just thought, I don't know, it just sat a bit uncomfortably. Uh, some of my... I'll, obviously, I'll, just, I'll just go through the other things that... Not that I didn't like, but they were just sort of minor niggles. I felt like the ending was a bit fast and like quite quickly paced and seemed a bit out of step with the rest of the film. It wasn't a big issue, but it just it didn't feel quite as natural as the rest of the film up until the, the <coughs> very end sequence. I was, you know, it felt quite natural, but then I just sort of felt like oh, that ending a lot happened in a hurry. Didn't quite sit right, but um, you know, it didn't really affect my view of the film overall. Uh, but the on, the only other thing was as well. I don't I, I don't want to spoil it, but I thought there was a bit of a plot hole as well. So I won't go into it because it's a bit of a spoiler, unless people want me to. But I'm um, going to see it on Monday. Yeah, exactly. So so definitely ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought there was a plot hole. But I know when I raised it, the same thing Alex didn't. But it was just sort of something that niggled at me again. So so there were some niggles there for me. But I'm I'm not denying that I enjoyed the film. I thought it was very good overall. Yes, it. On your point on cultural pollution, I would say it's more clumsy than massively racist. It's, uh, yeah, I, I agree, but I think people yeah. vary on the spectrum as to whether they think clumsy cultural appropriation counts as... Some people seem to think it's as bad as intentional, which I don't agree with, necessarily. But that, that seems to be why there's been some really, like, you know, some quite extreme backlash against yeah, the from some people. I think your point on the, uh, the foreign exchange student is a fair one. I think rather than having subtitles, I don't think there's any need for that character to be in the film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think that character could have easily just been another Japanese talker. Uh, and I think the fact that the film's animated the way it is would have been just as, just as expressive without any kind of subtitles. I think you would have got the point. It's like we talked about with Lynn Ramsey earlier, you know, you don't need the exposition. You can see what's happening. You can see the intention. Yeah, I, I liked it overall, um, those points aside. But Brian Cranston was very well cast. Suitably gruff as the dog that bites. But um, I pretty much echo your thoughts. I don't have a lot more to add on it. But this, the animation is beautiful. Uh, really well done. I, I think, to be honest with you, it's a white man's kind of 
love ode to Japanese culture, um, which is like which is probably bit, why bit, some of the problems bit, are a bit clumsy, but um, I mean, inspired, like Dave says, by a very unhallowed area of London, but um, you know, obviously, a love letter to Japanese culture, modern anything. I, I don't know how he got that. He saw that title and then he thought, let's mix that with Japan. Like, I don't know where that came from, but... Um... So, if, if I may, I listened to an episode of the Adam Buxton podcast. I know we don't usually mention other podcasts. Because they don't exist! They're extremely <laughs> tight race oh, with them for iTunes ratings. Yeah. Um, Very tight. <laughs> he, did a, he did an interview with Wes Anderson that was recorded after the film was shot, but before release, so before... Why we got him for interview? The... <laughs> no. Well, he just couldn't make it this weekend. No, okay. Yeah. Damn it. Um, but Flux could, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to make a decision. <laughs> well, that's it, you know, like... The right decision. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was more likely to bring me beer. I, I nailed it. Um, and in that, so before release, so before the criticism of white appropriation and white knights kind of things came out, talked to him, and he came up with the idea for a film about dogs at a time when he'd previously come up with wanting to set a film in Japan right, and okay. merge the two thoughts into one. And it is interesting that um, there has been a backlash about this film because you do wonder where people as creative should have to limit their thoughts you know should should you necessarily have to only you know create films about your own culture so as to not intrude onto those that are made by people from different backgrounds when your culture has already taken so much from them it's an interesting mm. thought piece very um but who here has um is so uncultured that they haven't seen this film I don't want to hear from the people who have, I just want to hear from the people who haven't. Like I'm, I'm seeing it on Monday. Yeah, I'm afraid I have seen the film. I want to hear from the other person who has. So, given given that this film um, was announced a long time ago with no reference to white appropriation, to uh, cultural appropriation of other people's um, kind of uh, heritage, why, once those criticisms came out, did you decide you wanted to see it? Um. (laughs) <laughs> because I'm a massive racist, I don't care. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I knew that about it. Um, basically, I'm a massive Wes Anderson fan, and even if he turns out to be a huge racist, I'll follow him into the grave. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not. That's me being satirical. Uh, <laughs> didn't know. Satire alert! Satire alert! Sorry. <laughs> dry. He's fucking dry. Stick around. Not racist. <laughs> <laughs> So Can we just have that every time I say something? <laughs> or sexist, or whatever. Yeah. I made a joke earlier. It is a joke. Yeah, it is. It's definitely an interesting debate. I'm, I still really want to see it. Those things. I don't think those criticisms are necessarily like, oh, you shouldn't be criticising things. I think you should about those kind of things. But also, yeah, it does. You do run down the trap of being like, if someone wants to make a film about Japan, they've got to read 700 novels on Japan before they do it. Whereas, sorry, Clive. Uh, does that mean that filmmakers are just going to end up making films about their own culture because then they're not going to get criticised about it? But I don't know. I think it's. In- I think I personally, and I've not seen it, so I'm coming from that perspective. I think it's interesting to have films about other cultures from other cultures because it mm. shows you the views that they have of those cultures. It's rather, yeah, rather than if you just have a Japanese person making, yeah, it's going to be more mm. accurate. 
But I think that idea it's of interesting just combining too. two ideas is like that's pretty. I bet that happens more often than we think. Yeah, yeah. it's like that's pretty interesting. And equally, like if um, if Studio Ghibli decided they were going to make a Ghibli, um, decided <laughs> they were going to make a film in America, yeah, with an American cast, would you? Not I think, think that would be interesting. Even if they yeah. did get some other things completely <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yeah, um, and I wouldn't be like, oh my god, they've completely fucked that up. I'd be more like. One particular part I took away from this this interview that I saw with Wes Anderson was that he said that his entire intention behind set one of his almost primary intentions behind setting it in Japan was that he would get to work with Japanese people and studios. And when he pitched the idea to um, organisations that he'd already worked for, essentially to get this film off the ground. It was then discovered that basically the only place in all the world that can do stop motion technology to the standard required for Hollywood movies was in England. The only place that hates itself enough to put it through, through four years of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is which is an interesting thing as in itself. If mm. you're operating at a kind of world class level, you maybe you have to go to where the world class standard is. Well, we did have an empire once. We did. It didn't really touch on Japan quite enough. Quite enough. <laughs> stop motion was the cornerstone of the empire. <laughs> yeah, it's where it all fell down. Really. What was in wrong? Yeah, maybe it'll, it'll be, be, it'll be the cornerstone of the new empire. So yeah, I <laughs> okay. post-Brexit revolution based entirely on stop motion <laughs> <laughs> from the mind of Wes Anderson. And frankly, <laughs> frankly, I imagine that most of this criticism has come directly from the mouth of Guy Borstadt of the European Commission. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I won't listen to it. <laughs> you can keep your bloody high living standards. We've got Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> <laughs> And the uh, marbles. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's good that this kind of stuff. I haven't seen it again, so I can't say. Maybe I'll watch it and be like, "Fucking hell, that's ridiculous." Um, but I think it's good that people from other cultures make things about other cultures because yeah, it shows yeah. you uh, uh, what other cultures think about. Because, like, when I go around the world, it's it's amazing what when I did a bit of travelling in my youth, uh, what different co- pe- people, different countries think of other countries. Are diff- yeah. It's completely different to what you. Uh, growing up in the UK, think of a certain country, and that, I find that quite interesting. And I think that yeah. well, having I think that in a film isn't a bad thing. And I think, but I, but I also think it's good that people look at it and go, "Oh, well, that bit's not quite right." But it's bringing that discussion up, isn't it? And it's like I don't think that's necessarily making the film bad because I don't think there's any way that Wes Anderson could have got everything right about Japan. He's not Japanese. Um, <laughs> well, again, I think to pick but, up on the point that Michael had about whether sort of being clumsy and perhaps appearing culturally insensitive is the same as being deliberately culturally insensitive or racist I think it's about the intention that you have I don't think Wes Anderson had the intention of, well make the Japanese look bloody stupid <laughs> do you know what I mean it was, yeah. it was as, yeah. as Al said it was a, it was a pro- sort of it was a proper yeah, yeah exactly it was it was it came from a good natured place now alright could you criticise him on the basis that he probably had a lot of resource at his disposal could he have done more research could he put more effort in well maybe but we it, always, I don't think it's the same. I don't think labelling. I don't think it's the same as is it if he'd have essentially made a propaganda film against the Japanese or deliberately set out to do something that was culturally intensive. I don't think it is the same, mm-hmm. and therefore I don't think he necessarily I deserves it, the. It sounds same like it's probably, probably a love letter to the, the the idea of Japan 
it that, is, that certain yeah. Americans have. And that's like, you know, that's fine, <laughs> as long as you know that's what it is. <laughs> I think we're getting dangerously close to encouraging Jamie Carragher to tell Murakami that he can't write about the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's not a world that I want to live in. I've heard that Jamie Carragher went to Japan and spat at Murakami. <laughs> oh, <I> can't, yeah. <laughs> Uh, for no reason. To, to pick up also on Michael's part, I, I again didn't necessarily pick up when I was watching the film that it was. The thing I, if, if anything, found most unusual about the way... So, effectively, all the human speakers speak Japanese unless they're translating yeah. or are native English speakers like the potential white saviour that we've discussed, whereas all the dogs are translated into English. Um, and the weirdest thing that I found about that was that they seemed to be translating the news, which only appeared to go out in Japan. So I didn't really understand why there was a translator. The, the only purpose of the translator was effectively as a narrative device to translate for the English-speaking audience of the film, which, again, I don't think that that was necessary. I think if you didn't have that narrator character and just let, let it portray in Japanese, that you would have necessarily lost anything. Yeah. It was relatively clear, particularly since you could understand the dogs, it was pretty clear the way the film was going. I'm not sure that was necessary. And that seemed the most unusual point for that, me, yeah, really. Yeah, that was, yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't obviously mention it, but yeah, I'd agree with that. And we've not even touched on the fact that one of, you know, one of the very few substantial female characters is just wears pink all the time and is a princess. I was going to mention, what was, there, was there any thoughts on that? But other than I've that, heard I think we're definitely pro... Cultural appropriation. <laughs> um, Wait, what? And so let's move on to <coughs> pro sexism. Stick around. Or <laughs> <laughs> <All> sexist. <laughs> right. uh, as the closest thing we have. I mean, we haven't had, ever had a woman on the panel. Just saying. <laughs> We've invited them. Yeah. But they wouldn't come because they accuse us of sexism. <laughs> Get this bit in the edit, Clark. <laughs> as I've said before, and I'm quite happy to say again, they won't let us film. Or record women's institution podcasts. So why would we let them around <laughs> podcasts? And now, as the only person here close to a different race, Clive, what <laughs> around to say to about next? Um, I actually haven't got anything. I think we've gone through. But, but I know. I think this will be an interesting and this debate. This is why we need a white person to speak on your behalf. Al, what have I have? I have got. <laughs> I have got something that I've just whipped out of thin air, though. Oh. Um, so I, I don't have I, I don't have a huge amount to talk about. I can certainly you talk about. You sent a massive list to us earlier. Oh, I've seen a lot of films. I can definitely talk about. Oh, I was going to. Uh, Al, what do you reckon? Annihilation. Uh, yeah, you know have what? Have you seen Why this, not? Michael? That seems like yes. a good point. I was thinking this would be Lots a good of debate. People in the room have seen it. So I'll read the Wikipedia blurb and then we'll throw some thoughts out. <laughs> Because, you know, anything else would have required some research. I've seen this one. So Annihilation, uh, yeah, Cable's seen this one. I can comment on something. <laughs> Good. Uh, it's a 2018 psychological science fiction horror film written and directed by Alex Garland and based on the novel of the same name by Jeff Vandermeer. The film stars Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson, Tuva Novotny and Oscar Isaac and follows a group of military scientists who enter The Shimmer. A mysterious quarantine zone full of mutating landscapes and creatures. If you want to pay for me to do your voiceover, I will do it at a reasonable price. Um, yes, that's the that's the film. So, I mean, this was interesting watching this. I watched this with Cable, Beck, and Cable's friend Simon, um, and it it was a very one of the. <laughs> Just, I think the experience of watching it was one of the most interesting experiences I've had just because of how it divided the room. <laughs> uh, 
I personally loved it and thought it was fantastic. There is one thing in the film which I don't want to go into, a bit like Michael said, a plot hole. Yeah, I hated that. Um, I didn't hate it, and I think there's reasons why that makes sense when you, if you think about it a little bit, but it's yeah. it's a plot hole, um, I think, and it could have been done better, that particular part. Other than that, I thought it was really, really good, and I'm really annoyed that I didn't get a chance to see this in the cinema with it being a Netflix uh, release, because I think it would have benefited massively from that and been a bit like a film that I've completely forgotten um, that I might bring up later. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if I'll ever remember what it's called. Six Scans Deep. Six cans deep. <laughs> yeah. Four, Wait, what was Beck's view again? Uh, like Beck, it? I think she. It was weird. I think she decided it was good as a film, but she didn't like it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Sounds like my view of Birdman. Uh, but <laughs> Simon, Simon hated it. I can't decide. I yeah. I mean, it was watching it with Simon, your friend, was constantly commenting on the scientific inaccuracies, which I found a bit annoying. <laughs> <laughs> just, just because during I don't, the film, yeah, because I don't oh, watch I don't watch films. He's a scientist, so he just yeah. About a yeah, but like I'm a fucking I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I have. Actually, I'm a sports scientist. But I have I actually zero tolerance for anybody speaking. Wayne <laughs> well, would have. Wayne yeah, would have thrown him out a window. We were all we were all making some comments, but um, I don't know. I just think I've had zero tons for any of you, not just for <laughs> Simon. People watch films for what they like, but I don't like um, I don't like the idea of scientifically, no, but, yeah. especially because I think it's art essentially, and I think like for example, as long as it doesn't take away from the story. Yeah, I think a lot of people like *This Sunshine*, for example, which I think is a good film, also by Alex Garland, yeah, I've got, I've got where it's like, oh, they got too close to the sun, you couldn't get that close. I'm like, no, well, that's you, not really the you, point. If you study <laughs> the science and you understand it and it means something to you, then I can understand why that would take you out of the film. And you'd like, I can, and I get that. Um, and I understand the science that you can't get that close to the sun. No, I'm not ridiculously intelligent, but <laughs> equally, like I don't, I don't know that dogs would really like Isle of Dogs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't talk for a start, so fucking crap film. Um, How do you know you just can't understand them because they're talking dog language, <laughs> which turns out to be English. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, that was now interesting. The dogs speak English. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I just think like I think films get this thing whereas for example a song there's plenty of people who love songs that they don't think make any sense um, whereas people don't have the same thing about films you know what I, mean? I think it's because they expect a narrative from a film necessarily but I don't think this is necessarily a narrative film I think it's more of a a, a bit like um, the film we just talked about which is the name I forgot you, you were never really here it was a bit stupid some of it but I don't think it's a narrative film. I don't think the narrative is the main yeah, point. If the narrative is stupid enough that it makes you question it, then that makes the film bad. Mm. I, don't, I don't agree. That I disagree that the be, narrative is stupid. It might be something to do with the method by which you kind of... But films hold you captive for 90 plus minutes. No, but I just yeah, think yeah. that music doesn't... I liked it. Well, it does if an album's... like I suppose well, it, it's well, more it like 40 but minutes. But, but, but you don't often... I mean, you might do when you go to a gig, but you're, I guess you're probably more likely to go to a gig of a band that you really like, and if it's new acts, and you probably don't see 90 minutes mm. of them. But a film puts you into a dark room, and you spend lots of money, and you feel kind of socially awkward leaving halfway through if you feel it's stupid, so maybe you overanalyze it somewhat yeah. compared to music. Yeah, maybe, maybe. maybe. I, I hear what you're saying, absolutely, because you should be able to suspend disbelief, but occasionally I... I'm not saying... Necessarily I suspend. It. When I looked back on it, I thought there was, I thought there were quite a lot of things that the story and the people did in it that actually didn't make. Like, why would they do that? Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of things in it that you could say that about, but I think you have to step back. It's one of those films you have to step back from that kind of thing from personally. But if you can't do that, then that's fair enough. But 
I thought I thought it compared quite favourably, but not as well uh, to Under the Skin. Uh, yeah, I know yeah. Michael's a big fan of that. Um, anyone else? Have you? Anyone I've seen else? Under the Skin. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. So I I, I thought. What's that? Scarlett Johansson. Who right. lands in Scotland? <laughs> okay. And then I mean, it makes no in. scientific sense. But anyway, I, I thought I had that kind of um, really unsettling alien yeah. quality yeah, to yeah. it, which uh, yeah, absolutely. particularly a scene at the end of Annihilation. Um, yeah. I yeah, think the I ending like that that's it. it's strange because I think the second half was stronger and a lot of people say it fell apart after the, in the second half but I think that was the strongest bit uh, possibly because it was the weirdest but I suppose <laughs> it depends what you're after I, mean, I didn't think Annihilation was a classic no. in any stretch but I, I really enjoyed it I thought it was an interesting piece of sci-fi and, and I liked the fact that I hadn't seen things in it before I mean a great film doesn't have to be unique a great film could even be derivative Mm-hmm. Um, but there were things that happened in Annihilation I'd never seen in a sci-fi before um, possibly for better or worse depending on your viewpoint but um, I thought the performances were pretty good in general and I thought that it was ambitious if nothing else definitely uh, it's hard to talk about it without spoiling it really yeah yeah I um, see I'm going to be the contrast because it left me quite cold okay mm-hmm. uh, I was never bored I was gripped all the way through it um, I don't want to compare it to Garland's Last from Ex Machina because it was more of a chamber piece. I thought it was absolutely superb, but it, uh, that's definitely one of the reasons I was looking forward to seeing this and the reception I'd seen it have online and social media. People seem to have loved it. Um, so I don't know if I was perhaps expecting too much going in. Uh, but like I said, I loved, I loved, you know, I lo- a lot of it, the build up to it, there was a lot of tension. I loved all of that about it. Um, but it's a, a lot of the the positive critical reception seems to have been based on it being very thought-provoking. And at the end of it, I just personally felt, what has that told me? Like, I didn't really take anything away from it. Um, and it's interesting that you compare it to Under the Skin, because that was the opposite for me. I absolutely mm. adore Under the Skin. And to me, Under the Skin is all about... I know not everyone agrees, but to me it's all about a reversal of the gender roles involved in rape. Um, that's that was what I took away from that film and Annihilation I didn't take anything away from it and that's why it, it left me cold it's, it's not a par on under the skin to be fair what um, did people take away from Annihilation? I didn't take anything away from it but I don't think that makes I know, it I don't mean, I'm not saying you have to but I'm just yeah. wondering if anyone did no, I just I thought it was a good film and I enjoyed the end se- the, sequences the, the, and the thing is the end, the end sequence it was certainly unconventional but I didn't it didn't really I didn't buy I didn't buy into it I didn't Sort of take from that. I didn't really. Like obviously, Ex Machina is about the um, again. I don't. I didn't want to compare them, but that's obviously about the dangers of AI or whatever. Mm. But this, I wasn't really feeling anything from the end sequence. I didn't feel like it completed the film in a way. If you know what I mean. See, I took something from it that might have been coloured by something I read before I went into the film. It didn't spoil the film, uh, but funnily enough, it was from a physicist who was talking about how you know. So everyone knows this at an atomic level, you know, we're all just atoms bouncing off each other. And he talked about the fact that um, the alien in the film um, seems to be deconstructing that. So that's what I took about it, the kind of an alien view of what is just carbon, basically, bouncing it and kind of very cold, well, you put it, it left you cold, very cold, emotionless alien view of life on Earth, essentially. Uh, but yeah, I didn't take anything greatly philosophical from it, and perhaps 
I'm not sure I would have come to that independently. I'll be quite honest, but um, well, that's the interesting yeah. thing because I mean that is interesting, but it never yeah. occurred to me. Yeah, so has that followed my sure. response to the film? I that's, think, yeah, that's like for me, it just made it. it just makes you think about things in a different way. I don't think necessarily that's taking something from it, but like, mm. it, like you're saying, it makes you think of oh, everything is just atoms and all this stuff. It is all just, mm-hmm. and it is a very cold film. I agree. Like it doesn't. It's certainly not a positive ending or anything like that. <laughs> um, and I like that about it. I was like, because I'm, you know, a bit of a nihilist. Um, uh, pff, that I kind of enjoyed that about it. That it was just like, okay, yeah, it was kind of to me saying, I suppose, that we are all just atoms bouncing around. And see, to me, it struck me as that the alien present in this wasn't an evil one. It was a dispassionate Definitely one. Definitely not. Yeah, a dispassionate one. One that was almost like. It, yeah, yeah. I imagine yourself looking down a an ant colony. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, I could agree. That. I've not heard that viewpoint before, but I suppose that is. I think yeah. that was. I definitely picked that up from it. Yeah, yeah at least. Mm-hmm. But uh, cool. It, but I also like films where people disagree. I also think though cool. that this one. I've only seen it the once. Because it hasn't one, happened very. I've got a feeling that this might benefit from repeat viewing. Mm, um, but it, but it's not an easy watch at the same time. So I don't know if you'd want to watch it twice within a week. But you know maybe, you know within a year or something like that, it probably would bear a view. But I think to be honest with you, I said what you touched on earlier, Clive. I'm really irritated that I didn't get to see this at the cinema. Yeah, I think it would have been. Yeah, been good. Visually, it's quite and sound as well. Uh, I think the sound design was yeah. great. And really, we've talked about this before. The experience of going to the cinema is great because you can't be distracted, or at least not if you're a decent person. Um, you know, like you don't There's get some dickheads in cinemas, though. Just a few. There are, and I've no hesitation in calling them out. <laughs> uh, I can, yeah, that is true. Um, it's just like you know, you're not looking at your phone. Like if I if I'm watching a film um, at home on my TV, now I won't get out my phone while the film's on, but I might pause the film to have a look at a text or look at a WhatsApp. But it, it takes, takes you out of it. The it flow of it, yeah. yeah. And you don't have that choice at the cinema. You're kind of immersed in it. And while, think, that, while that didn't happen during Annihilation, I did stop for the te- for the toilet though. So even that took me out of it. So it's just it was the length of the, the most recent uh, Meagles album that inspired us to discuss this on the music <laughs> podcast. Yeah. One, I find it quite difficult personally to take a, uh, an hour and a half break in the middle of a film like you must have done when you went to the toilet. Al. Uh, <laughs> it was a sit down wee, it was quite quick actually, about a 30, 30 second blast. I was off my feet, I was off my feet with the, uh, the Like uh, the horse, that, yeah, uh, the guy from the Mighty Boosh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a yellow cable. <laughs> it's coming out to me like a yellow cable. Can we not be racist for the rest oh, of the time? No, 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 you just taking it there. A Chinese version of me? No, 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 no. A functional cable, not the useless one later. Stick around, it's not racist. <laughs> Just James Cable. Or cableist. <laughs> Quite right, like are we done talking about... Um, Annihilation. Boring! Um, <laughs> <laughs> that conversation's left uh, me very cold. Have we finished? Ugh, what's next? <laughs> uh, I um, don't know. Al, you were gonna. You were um, like. So I'll, I'll just mention other films I've seen. Oh, here he goes. Um, so Tomb Raider, really quick review. Arrogant. Uh, <laughs> we've already done this in another podcast, but what it's all right. Quick blast. It's all right. Dominic West is rubbish. Um, I've seen. I've seen Tomb right. Raider. Yeah, well, agree. All right. Um, does a lot of. It's just all right. I wish it did a few extra. It just. It just follows too many kind of tropes, I suppose, yeah. and doesn't do anything particularly new. At least if I can, it is great. I agree Dominic West wasn't fantastic everyone else was just kind of very standard and I wish they'd 
deviated a little. It's not mm. very particularly similar to the. I mean, it is similar to the story in the uh, game, but also isn't. Uh, but ugh, I don't know. I just think the story in the game wasn't like great to start with, so they should have gone with something else. <laughs> if I can interrupt the your Don't list, Al, in the last podcast when you reviewed it, which was a games podcast, you queried what was the best games film we'd seen. Sure, you I'd had. had me, I mean, I don't have an answer for you necessarily, oh, what the, but what, 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 I had, what I had. What I had. What I had was correspondence from a listener. Oh, uh, who, okay. who queried what our opinion would be on the Resident Evil films? Uh, I've only seen the first one, and I was drunk when I saw it. So, uh, I remember it being enjoyable it fluff. Too many characters on the screen. Was that so you so basically, if you were sober, you'd have hated it. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've heard some good things about. Yeah, well, I think that was. I think that was his point that he, well, yeah, you say he the most suggested. Things more enjoyable when you're a bit drunk. Um. Yeah, most things. Certainly driving. Should we all go driving? Oh, Jesus. Uh, five and drive. <laughs> that is I, what we're at at the minute. That's my, that's my rule. <laughs> In, uh, unsane. Stick around does not drink drive. <laughs> unsane. It's pretty good, actually. Um, beyond its gimmick of being filmed on an iPhone 7 Plus... Uh, it's a good little psychological thriller that starts off as a serious piece and becomes a B movie. I enjoyed it, but wondered whether it should have stuck with the first half. Um, oh. On that note of iPhone Seven Plus filming, have you seen Tangerine? No, but I want to. God damn, watch it! It's also filmed on iPhone, but no one made a big deal out of it. Mm. This one, everyone's like, "Oh, it's filmed on." I'm like, someone did that like four years ago, and it was really good. Go watch <laughs> it. Didn't have money. <laughs> yeah. Do your Red Sparrow review in three words. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> You've used one. No, 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 I'm not having that. That's uh, not a word. That's like nine. Br- uh, brutalist, nude, Russian. I'm sold. Okay. Wow, I'm sold. Well, I've got a boner. You've <laughs> <laughs> made it sound a lot better than it is, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I mean, the nude part's got me sold. <laughs> it's a lot of nudity in this film. Um, and the, the only other film I've seen that we haven't already mentioned, I was going to bring up Red Sparrow, but Dave. Brought it up. Is it Braveheart? No, it's not. It's uh, Ready Player One, which. I was oh, big, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a big fan. I won't go into any great depth with it. Um, I was a big fan of the book. It's Nerd. Been, <laughs> <laughs> it's been adequately, adequately adapted for the screen. Nerd. Uh, taking we've, out. We've got a reader. Let <laughs> <laughs> him talk. Uh, taking out the uncinematic elements and replacing them with more cin- cinematic elements that was a problem for some people, but not for me. Um, I would have loved to watch him beating a high score on Pac-Man yeah I mean uh, just two hours on that just, yeah. yeah I'm in 10 out of 10 <laughs> I, I get loads out of that that wouldn't I, leave me cold I filmed on an iPhone <laughs> yeah please I, I pretty much enjoyed it it was no, basically stop fucking, talking over his review please film it on a Game Boy camera yes <laughs> <And> what game <laughs> <laughs> it was it was solid I don't really have a great deal what to say in it I don't think the film itself has a great deal to say um, I disagree it's just a good thriller. I will say one thing. It managed to meld the kind of VR kind of game world of the Oasis with the real world really well. And um, yeah, it was it was pretty good. It's entertaining. It's fluff, but it's good fluff. You know, the type... The best kind. Yeah, the type you fish out from your belly button after a month of not fishing. And then um, wow. Yeah. Speaking of someone who has no belly button fluff... Um, yeah, I liked it. That was good. <laughs> I, 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 I went in it. No, I don't. 
Fat. What? You got an outie? I bet if I fish no, I've got, now, I've got I'll an find There's no, You'll find no fluff in my belly. Yeah, I'll bet right. ever. Or just All like right. Not. Ever. That's a challenge. Um, <laughs> Dave, don't have a fish. <laughs> no one's fishing my belly. I've got some right now. <laughs> not, that doesn't mean I do. Yes, yeah, mate. Right. There we go. We're, scienti- we're <laughs> scientifically <laughs> different. Later, just Dave, for the... I mean, there's not a visual medium, but do you want to have a... You're the closest to Clive. Do you want to have a poke in his belly button? <laughs> I'll have a poke in my belly button. There's no fluff. Oh, Christ. I can't <laughs> that's, that's not proof. You didn't, like... Well, there's no fluff on my finger. Anyway, I was, get, I was going to mention my thoughts on Radio Play... Radio Player What? Radio <laughs> One. Radio One. Just Shit Radio One. Oh, I love Chris Moyles. Shit oh, Radio Station. Really. It used to be good when Chris Moyles was on it. Now it's gone downhill. He hates gingers. Um, well, that's why it was good, wasn't it? Um, anyway, ready play. Stick around. I agree with that. I pretty much agree with that. Thoughts. I went into it thinking I was going to hate it because of all the like. I heard it. It was like just like oh, reference this. Oh, look at me. I'm referencing the OTs constantly, which it does. Doesn't but everything it, nowadays. Uh, but it, yeah, but it's way more intense. Okay. It's like Transformers. Just like only Spielberg could have made it because it would have cost everyone else a million. Yeah, fuck knows how much money, but Spielberg probably just rang them up and went. Can I use that guy from Transformers? Yeah, go on. <laughs> uh, whereas anyone else would have to pay for it. But yeah, it, it, but it didn't take away from the personality of the film, which I worried it would. Um, and I thought it worked. So I think that's, I came out of it really liking it, which I didn't think I would, which I think is positive. Not that I want, went in it wanting to hate it, but I just didn't think I was going to like it. And I thought it. Excuse me. It did the bit, I think. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It goes on about me. Oh, don't interrupt Al's reviews. But he interrupted mine with a bit. The worst. Um, yeah, but I think it's hard to, to, to meld those. Like you say, is meld actually a word? Yeah. 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 Mind meld. I'm learning so much today. Um, Spot of the, the real real world and the old, you know, virtual reality. I think it's been tra- attempted before and it doesn't work very well. Maybe it's now because technology's got so good. But it did work really well, and I think it's probably probably as good as it's worked, in my opinion, uh, which is, a, I suppose, a big statement for a film. But yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. I thought I'd recommend people go and see it. It's not gonna, you know, blow your mind, but it's just complete popcorn fun, and doesn't ever deviate from that, which is both a positive and a negative, I suppose, depending on how you look at it. But I really enjoyed it, and if you go in just having go in, go in to have a good time, I think you will. Don't think too much. Mm-hmm. Thinking's over. Anyone else see it? Other than you two, obviously. I have not. Don't believe so. <sighs> okay. Has uh, anyone else got films to talk about? No, I've gone through my entire list there. Did someone? I heard Whispers of Braveheart. Um, Nobody's right. going to talk about Braveheart. Freedom! <laughs> Hang on. It's Mel Gibson just walked in. <laughs> he rolled in on a stretcher. Alex has got. Uh, Alex is trying to gag me from talking about Braveheart. Um, they send the edit. Clip. Michael, think, please I talk about Braveheart. I hope you should let him. I personally, I think it's the best film of all time. So I'd like to, I'd like to hear your opinion. So on it. just, just to get uh, listeners, you know, in on what we're talking about, Michael, for whatever reason, despite decided to spend I don't know about eighty quid of his own money on a Braveheart DVD. Eighty uh, quid. Yeah. DVD. To clarify, it was three pounds. Okay. And Braveheart is a Best Picture winner, so I, I, I mean, was intrigued to see it. He didn't even watch it on Blu-ray. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think we should let him give his review. I, I want Michael to be on Go on. You've got three minutes. Right. I don't one, need three one, minutes. One for every pound you spent. Yes. Right. I don't even need that long. Okay. Um, <laughs> underwhelming. <basically>. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm disappointed. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, the battle scenes are supposedly some of the best in cinema history, but I think we must have been spoiled by Game of Thrones because they seemed a bit shit to me. But 
Um, I mean, it was a long time ago. Yeah, that's the thing. You never like, know Scottish uh, people can't fight. That's, that's the thing, seeing something 20 years later. Um, maybe they were, you know... Back, back in the day, the people time. were like, yeah! Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm all for a bit of historical revisionism, revisionism in cinema and daft hair and stuff like that. Uh, but this, it just feels a little bit too preposterous. And... Um, in terms of narrative devices, I can't figure out why him and that French princess shag near the end. <laughs> because it's a film back made in the... When was it made? Eight. <laughs> every, every film that's way <laughs> like a love romance. Last Everyone of the Mohicans. A good shag. Yeah, but... It like, if that had happened in real life, it was three. When he was <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, that's not it. I'm not bothered about the historical inaccuracy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, that wasn't the problem. But that is my nutshell review. Um, you know... I'm not quite. I'm not sure what it was up against, but I'm not quite sure how it won Best Picture, even though the Oscars obviously aren't the ultimate. What film? What year was it again? 1980. 1996. 1996. Wow. That was de- that was definitely the decade seems, of big Hollywood. Seems like a strong year. Titanic. I mean, that was the decade where everything had to have a love story in it. But I actually like Titanic. And the that's the difference. All oh, right. <laughs> we disagree on that one. Um, no, I don't mind Titanic, but I, I don't. It's a classic, like. Classically shit. Oh what? God. It's just so sappy, it makes me want to feel sick throughout it. I love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let me go, Romeo! Just fit on the fucking plank. Romeo? <laughs> yeah, it might as well be. Fucking well, hell. he played Romeo in a different film. Well, yeah. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. <laughs> what I want to know, There's plenty of room on that bloody plank thing for two. Get Alex, on it. <laughs> why are you so opposed to me buying a Best Picture winner, regardless of what it is, when you're, you're the one who goes out of the way to watch every Best Picture nominee every year? So, that's Ooh, only recently. Oh, by the way... Fighting talk. Well, first of all, <laughs> I'm going to correct you, it was 1995, not 1996. Oh, oh gutted. And Gosh. it beat out Apollo th- Apollo 13. We should have won. Uh, babe. <laughs> we should have won. The Postman. We should have won. Il, Il, Il Postino, I assume I'm that's the foreign yeah. language. And <laughs> Sense and Sensibility. Not a strong year, to be fair. Babe was in best. <laughs> <laughs> that would not Wait, whoa, whoa, hang on. I mean, did just Babe was a classic. Um, again, I, another classic league. Can I then point out that other 1995 films that didn't make the nominee list included Toy Story. What? Goldeneye. I mean... Batman Forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that the one with Schwarzenegger? <laughs> Heat and Bad Boys. Heat? Is no, that, it's the best film on that list. Does Heat have a... Also, the, oh, goof, the Goofy movie. The Usual Suspect. <laughs> wow. Or, or Toy Story. That's in the cool. writing category of... I mean, it should have been the, the year that an animation won. To answer your question, picture, really, shouldn't it? that list is the reason why. <laughs> Yeah, but it still beat Heat and Toy Story. What's about more? It didn't combat? beat them. It didn't compete against them. No, but I'm saying, how did that happen? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> because the Oscars are weird, aren't they? Well, like, what's this animation? They hadn't quite caught on with it yet. They were like, what's this toy? Some child's drawn it on a on a etch a sketch. Right. A... Has anyone else got a film they'd like to talk about or no. a roundup or anything? No, let's Brave wrap this up. So let's wrap this. Just, um, lads, lads, lads. The clock in my kitchen doesn't work. I was just wondering um, um, if you got the time. It doesn't work, does it? Christ, Fox. get some batteries. Yeah. <laughs> They're rechargeable, though. Yeah. But it's not a Swiss watch. That would work like a dream, even without a battery. Um, let me just get up the thing because I'm not quite sure what time it is. We need to go out soon, I think. It's plug time! Get in contract with the show, stick around podcast. <laughs> oh, you've ruined it. Well done. Didn't hear that bit, did they? So we're not going to get any bloody emails, whereas normally we're inundated with them. 
Get in contact with the show. Stick around podcast at gmail.com. Stick around podcast.com slash contact for a form because emailing makes you feel like you're at work. Stick around podcast. I've written here. That's wrong. Stick around podcast.com for articles. Still just top tens. At stick around cast on Twitter. Slash stick around podcast on Facebook. Stick around podcast on Instagram. Just gigging. Just gigging? No, don't go there. Just giving.com slash fundraising slash stick around if you want to throw some money, not our way, but to the way of people who actually need it, like people who don't have a home. Um, uh, gives money to shelter. We're aiming for £200 by the end of the year. Can't remember what the current total is. It's probably £0, so help us out. Uh, eat. No, I won't say that bit because I've plugged myself enough. I don't want to plug this myself is again. Shit plug time. Your face is shit. <laughs> and at least this plug time, I can change Where it. Where are we time. on Instagram, Clive? <laughs> <laughs> I think I said I that. You said it. Oh, I don't think sure you did. did. Stick around podcast on Instagram, Flux. I said that. And later Still on, later on, you may see a pretty much complete team photo uh, with a photograph, Josh Cleefley. I'm doing it. Like, I photoshopped him. Um, I, I said I was going to photoshop. I said I was going to photoshop him in. I don't know how to photoshop, so it would just look horrendous. I know how to do it. Uh, You've got paint, haven't you? Yeah, Strike <laughs> him out in paint. Stick him on like, Cable, in the sky, not even in the group. Cable can do it. Uh, we will send, probably be posting loads of pictures on Instagram. Obviously, this isn't live, so by the time you get this, they will already be up. Check on Instagram. <laughs> Lots of pictures of us being drunk, probably. Um, hopefully, no, Flux, yeah. hopefully Flux topless. That's basically what I've invited him for. And as a test to see how many people listen through to the one hour and ten something minute mark, um, if you do, um, send us a direct message on Instagram. Clive will send you a ten pound note. <laughs> <laughs> Ambush. Incorrect. <laughs> and I only have one ten pound note, isn't it? it, worth it, it is. I mean, maybe first one. You know, I'll send you a Swiss franc. It's about £12. <laughs> <laughs> you better. You're not far off. <laughs> oh, it's oh, like dear. James Cable has found himself a guitar. Oh, oh, what could oh, this mean? Oh, you doing a live outro? Oh, maybe. <laughs> has everyone got the lyrics? Oh, this, is so, this is so organic. <laughs> go on, go on then. Has anyone got anything else to add before we close up the... Other than we're not, we're not racist, sexist, anything that may have been deemed as such and, uh, was definitely a joke. Hello, hello to Reese Shearsmith. <laughs> uh, to, to, to tie in two points oh, raised earlier <laughs> to tie in two points raised earlier Tilda Swinton was also in Isle of Dogs so uh, you know well thank you all for listening guys and it's a thank you from me it's a thank you from Clive Fisher yo it's a goodbye from James Flux <laughs> ta-ta it's a sayonara from Alex Wayne sayonara that's cultural appropriation I'm not happy with it <laughs> <laughs> we've gotten anything from I Love Dogs shut up Flux it's a smell you later from James Jesus. Cable Dick. I don't smell at all <laughs> dictatorial over here it's a ciao for now from Michael Johnson another cultural inappropriation yes. <laughs> <laughs> And it's five for me. <laughs> oh yeah! Thank you all for listening. Rest assured that you have found the best podcast in the universe. It's sick around. Oh, what a final note that was! Beautiful. Um, I get get us a Stella Al. Ah, oh, stick around. You're right. What's the plan, Stan?